the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah in our approach of 30,000 feet of flying through the Bible. We are now in the book of Nehemiah. And um, this Sunday we'll look at Nehemiah. Wednesday night, as was already announced, we'll be focusing on the cross. We won't meet in our small groups Wednesday night. A week from Wednesday night, we will be in Nehemiah in our small group. So you've got two weeks if you'd like to study the book of Nehemiah. And um, in so doing, we'll pick up there as um, next Sunday we won't be in, needless to say, in one of the 30,000 feet books, so to speak. The book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not a king. He was not a priest. He was not a prophet. Some say he was an ordinary citizen. Um, I don't know about the ordinary citizen. If you call a cupbearer to the king... An ordinary citizen, that is a very high-level cabinet position that um, had some basic requirements. It required the individual to be a man of character. It required that he be on the high end intellectually and um, also that um, he be very educated and... um, in reading about this, that he'd be good-looking. King didn't want some ugly, smart guy in his presence. He wanted a good-looking, smart, well-developed person. And so, to say Nehemiah was an ordinary citizen, whatever it was, God had gifted him and put him in this position. Even as we understand and were reminded this morning by Andrew that God designs every one of us differently for tasks that he has given to us and prepared for us. And the key is knowing that. So Nehemiah was in the place where God had him, a place of bondage, really. And again, be reminded that... um, The kings of Israel had failed. The people had ignored the prophets. The priests were corrupted. And in the midst of all this, along with Ezra and Haggai and Zechariah, God raised up Nehemiah, a man that if Ezra was redeveloping and rebuilding the, the spiritual nature of of Jerusalem and the children of Israel, Nehemiah had a large part to do with the physical aspect, um, building the wall. Building the wall isn't something that's just come into vogue in the last several years here. Um, That There was a motto of that long ago. And um, so God raised up Nehemiah, We've already seen that there were groups from Babylon under the Medo-Persians that came back, a group of 50,000, a group of about 5,000, 
And now Nehemiah is bringing back uh, another group. And um, these were dark times. You notice in Nehemiah chapter 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, but it, it came to pass in the month of Cheslev of the twelfth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. And so it was, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven, and I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those you love and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinance which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray... Please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servants prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. So here you find the initial introduction of Nehemiah. He gets a report back from Jerusalem. He's eager to hear, how are they doing in Jerusalem? And the report is a bad, dark report. That he says, the walls are still broken down. The people are discouraged, in disarray. Um, Things are not well with our people. And immediately, Nehemiah was broken by this. And... He set aside time for fasting and prayer and and sought the Lord. And you notice what motivated him. In verses 3 and 4, he got the report. And the report said, they are in great distress and reproach. And he said that he sat down and wept and mourned many days fasting and praying before the God of heaven. 
Nehemiah was burdened and concerned for God's name and reputation. There are a number of lessons that we can learn from this. I'm not going to take the time, and if you're paying attention at all to anything that's going on in our nation, and many times in Christianity, things are not in good shape, not in good condition. We could take a lot of time to spell that out, but I'm not going to. How do we remove the reproach? I mean, it is reproachful. What is going on in our nation today, it is a reproach to God's name, what goes on in the name of Christianity and often in Christians' lives as individuals. So how do we remove the reproach? Number one, as believers and as individuals, we must have a concern for God's name and reputation. It's not about us. It's not about Grace Baptist Church. It's about God's name. It's about his reputation. One of the things that motivated Nehemiah and motivated people that God has used throughout history is that they had a concern for God's name. David, when he went against Goliath, was concerned at the reproach that it was bringing to the God of Israel. Nehemiah saw that the conditions of Jerusalem were a direct rebuke to God's reputation. We read in Ephesians that we, as followers of Christ, were designed to show forth the exceeding riches of His grace. God's name is dishonored in so many ways today. And we need to come back and realize, wait a minute, this is a reproach to God's name. This behavior, this attitude to think about God's reputation. We are his ambassadors. How are we representing him? Nehemiah immediately got in and dealt with sin, confessed his sin, confessed the sin of the nation. So if we're concerned about God's name, then we must be forced to deal with our own sin. Nehemiah made God's priorities his priorities. But you notice another aspect of this. Nehemiah was, as we said, as the Scripture said, a cupbearer to the king. And one of the things that a cupbearer was never uh, tolerated to do was enter into the king's presence with a sad countenance, being down or discouraged. But Nehemiah was so burdened about his homeland, that he came into the king's presence, and the king immediately noticed. And he said to him, what's wrong? Well, honestly, in these days, they could lop his head off for this violation. And and there'd be no problem with that that they'd saw. So Nehemiah made an appeal to the king. And... He said, the place 
of my homeland, the place of my father's tombs, lies in waste and and is burned. And he said, this is why I am sorrowful. And the king said to him, well, what would you want me to do? And I, I love verse 4. Nehemiah said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. He's standing before the king. He thinks he may be in trouble. He makes his appeal to the king. The king says, what do you want me to do? And um, he sends up an immediate prayer to God. God, help me to say the right thing. God, give me wisdom here. And Nehemiah said, if it would please the king, and if I, your servant, would find favor in your sight... I ask that you would send me to, I mean, this is a big request. Send me to Judah, to the city that I may rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Now think of it. Nehemiah was living, I mean, he was living the life. He was in the king's court. He was a high cabinet position. Everything, every need was met. Every Everything was taken care of, but Nehemiah saw the reproach, and he was willing to change his own life to meet the need. There was a willingness to change. I mean, he was in the comfort zone. To go back to Jerusalem, the people were discouraged. It was, it was debris. And and the stones were everywhere. It was a complete disaster. <clears throat> but he was willing. You cannot go with God without making major changes. Nehemiah couldn't continue to be burdened about it without a willingness to change. God, do something about this, but don't involve me. God, minister in our country, but don't involve me. God, raise up good families, but don't involve me. God, save souls, but I'm not willing to change. No, Nehemiah was willing to drastically change his life. I mean, this is taking on, we know how the story ended. Nehemiah had no idea that in 52 days the walls would be built. But Nehemiah was willing to thrust himself in, God, I want to be part of the solution, not just identify the problem. There was a willingness to change. And then you will notice about Nehemiah, there was a complete dependence upon God. Eleven times in this short book, we read that Nehemiah prayed. And over and over again, when Nehemiah was approached by the king, what do you want me to do? We already saw. He prayed. When he was facing the opposition of uh, the enemies, he prayed. When he was facing opposition from within his own people, he prayed. Nehemiah was a man of prayer, and he understood 
the principle of John 15, without me ye can do nothing. And he understood, if I am going to be thrust into this, I need God. An overwhelming dependence upon God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Part of that newness is we no longer depend upon the arm of the flesh. We depend upon the power of God. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 says that the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There is one way to go through God, and that is prayer. And you read, we don't have the time, but you read Ephesians chapter 6, and he gives the list of, of the armor that we are to bear and to put on, and above all, pray that it's like the one that covers it all, as it manifests a dependence upon God. So we read in in chapter 2 and verse 20, Then I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will rise and build. You have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. He's answering Sanballat and Tobiah. And, And he said, I know I am dependent on God, and God will help us. We don't need your help. In chapter 4, in verse 4, he cried out to God. Again, Tobiah came and said, Ah, look at that wall. If a fox were to jump on that wall and break down their stone wall, these guys don't know how to build. They don't know how to do anything. So what did Nehemiah do? He sent out a group of men after Tobiah. No, he cried out to God, verse 4 of chapter 4, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders, so we built the wall. He immediately took his petition to God and said, God, you take care of them. We're going to build the wall. We could look in in verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God because of them, because of the enemies. We made our prayer to God and set a watch against them day and night. Verse 14, again, he made his prayer to God, as we said, 11 times in this short book we read, Nehemiah prayed, manifesting a dependence upon God. And then Nehemiah, in order to turn the reproach, you're going to have to endure affliction. Nehemiah had attacks from enemies in just about every way imaginable, and also attacks from their own people. Discouragement was set in. There was infighting. They were charging unusually high interest to their own people. 
But none of those things stopped Nehemiah and the people from getting the work done. And Nehemiah said, do not be afraid of them in verse 14 of chapter 4. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He kept them focused. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the enemies. Remember your God. And fight for your wives and your children and your brothers and your sisters. Remember them. When, when we were in Israel, our, our guide in Israel, an Israeli, um, was probably in his late 40s, 50s. He said, any, any time, at any moment, a siren may go off and I may need to leave and report. You're, once you're, he wasn't in active duty at the time, but he, he was active. And he said, so I'm, I'm just telling you that, that that may happen. And then he got talking. He said, you know, um, the difference that we as Israeli soldiers have and you American military have, PSTD is very rare among us. But he said, I understand it's quite an issue with American soldiers. And he said, do you know why I believe that is? He said, we are fighting for our wives, our children, our brother, our sister, and our land. He said, most of your soldiers don't know why they're fighting. It's the same principle of Nehemiah. They were fighting for their land. They were fighting for their family. And Nehemiah, in setting up building the wall, this is where they lived. So if you're building a wall by your house, don't you think you're going to make it as strong as you can? And the person then next to them, their neighbor was building where they were building. And Nehemiah, great wisdom from God, established and did really a miracle in rebuilding that wall in 52 days. It's incredible how this happened amidst all the affliction. He was he nor the people were distracted. It's easy to get distracted in our walk with God and and lose focus on what we're doing and sometimes it may it may be a good thing. But then that becomes our focus. I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight. That may be just one of the fights. Or I can get so busy fighting something that I forget to do what I'm supposed to do. To build. So Nehemiah endured afflictions, avoided distractions, and had the character And instilled the character in the people to never quit. This is what God has called me to do. And nothing's going to move me from this. You know, you look at this. That's how Nehemiah was used of God to remove the reproach. That's how we can be used of God to remove the reproach. And it's the same principles that apply to salvation. 
We must, number one, be concerned what God says about our sin. What God says about sin. Today, people don't even identify sin. And then there must be a willingness to change. There must be repentance, a willingness to change. Whoa, this is what God says about my sin. My sin separates me from God. My sin condemns me to an eternity in hell. And then to realize, wait, there's a willingness to change. God, this, I understand this, and I bear the wrath of you, and and I need to change, and I need your power to do it. And that's where there's a dependence only on God. God, I cannot change. I need your forgiveness and your power. I call upon Jesus Christ alone for salvation. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man could boast. Entire dependence upon God. And then once you've come to know Christ as your personal Savior, there will be afflictions. There will be battles. But I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and nothing is going to turn me aside. The same principles apply. Nehemiah understood these and implemented them in his life and in his ministry and remained faithful to God. We live in a day that God's name is being reproached around our land and around the world. And as Christians... We need to develop a strong concern for God's name and reputation and then to say, God, here am I. Use me in whatever way you want. It may not be making a radical change in location as God led to Nehemiah or as God is leading Andrew and his family. But it may mean changing my my time so that I can invest in someone's life so that I can set aside time for prayer so that I can seek God and have a dependence upon God. Maybe you're going through an affliction right now, a battle of life, and and it's weighing heavy upon you, and it may be easy to be distracted, but to say, God, by your grace, I want to stay true to what you've called me to do. We live in a day that the reproach needs to be removed, and only God can do it, and he does it through us. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would stir our hearts to be concerned not about what people think of us, but, Lord, about your name and your reputation and that we would understand our life is nothing, that we we would willingly allow you to change and rearrange our life in any way that you deem necessary to be an instrument usable in your hand. And Lord, I pray that you would remove from us dependence in anything else and that we would be committed only to you 
despite the affliction, despite the trial of life, Lord, that we would be unmovable in our love for you. I pray if there's one here today that has never called upon you for the forgiveness of sins, I pray today they would see their own sin like you do, that they would see the need for repentance and change and depend upon you and the work of your cross for forgiveness of sins And, Lord, may they know the joy of sins forgiven as they call upon you. Thank you that you have called us to this great battle. Thank you that, as the kids sang earlier, that you have won and death has lost. Lord, may we be faithful in the battle, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.